Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albron. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two. Congratulations to Adam for winning our HTO Brewhouse Coffee and HTO Iced Tea. Uh, enjoy it on us, Adam. Huh, Tommy, it has been a crazy week. Uh, I've been bouncing around a little bit. You've been bouncing around a little bit. Uh, we are back normal, everything full force ahead next week, uh, but it continues today. Tommy will finish out the very end of the show today. Yesterday I was gone because I had a spelling bee for my nine-year-old daughter. How'd that like, go? Did she win? Uh, she made it six rounds in, so okay. she's a third grader, All right. and they go up against the fourth and fifth graders. Everybody's all jumbled in together. She did a really good job. So we've been trying. My wife and I are highly, highly competitive. Uh, And so sometimes we have to restrain ourselves, whether we're at like sporting events or whatever, ever, because, you know, our kids are still very young. Uh, And by the way, I've taken over coaching duties of the second uh, of the uh, third grade girls basketball team. Uh, So I'll let you you know how that something else on your plate. Right, yeah. But I had to. Our daughter, this same daughter, is she she wasn't always the most naturally aggressive, but it comes along for her over time. And so in basketball, she went a full season without scoring, was getting very close. Her second-to-last game gets a bucket to fall. Everybody loses their mind because everybody's so proud of her, right? Well, in the last game, she comes out and she scores 10. And I'm like, well, we're not stopping basketball. You're going to keep playing. And, and you know, the, the coach had to make a little bit of a change so he couldn't do it. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. We're not – you're not doing it. So now I have like nine hours on Saturdays devoted to basketball. Uh, but, you know, whatever. So we're at the spelling bee. We're trying not to put the pressure on her. So I want a spelling bee when I was a kid. And I love it. I think it's fun and awesome. And I love, you know, that she's good at it. And so we've been trying not to overhype it. Those poor kids, it was the sweetest little thing, and they're so nervous, all of them, and they get through, and you want to cry every time a kid gets eliminated or whatever, but you also want your kid to win. Uh, She made it six rounds in. She got her S and her C mixed up on fascinated, and I was like, that's acceptable. Like, that's it. As soon as they said fascinated, I'm like, oh, no, that SC, 
that SC is going to be trouble. <laughs> and she went CS and, and it was fine. Uh, but the words they got into, my wife's, you know, stayed tuned in. I had to go catch a meeting real quick, but she stayed tuned in. And some of the words they were getting to at the end were just absolutely insane. And we're practicing and we got to that hard part of the list and we just try one of those words. And she's like, can you use it in a definition? And I'm like, no, I cannot. I, I don't know what that word means, but that's the word. Remember it if you can. Uh, but it was fun. I uh, love spelling bees. I think they're super fun and cool. So that's where we were. And and again, like this week has been crazy, I think, for everybody. I don't know what it is. Doctor's appointments, meetings, e everything is just like jammed into this week. And then I think things settle down a little bit. Uh, but, you know, we, we do have one of the best sports weeks of the year right now. The NFL playoffs. Sometimes the divisional round's incredible. Chiefs feels, feels like it's going to be incredible again, as it as it typically is. The last three regular season meetings, the Bills beat the Chiefs. The last two postseason meetings, the Chiefs beat the Bills. They did not meet in that third season, remember, because the Bengals beat the Bills. So here we go again. The Bills win the regular season meeting, and the Chiefs have a chance to win the one in the postseason. And I kind of like their chances, Tommy. I, I think that the Bills are maybe slightly overvalued. And I think, believe it or not, because it never happens, the Chiefs are slightly undervalued here in the way that they're currently playing. And what have you done for me lately, league? And I think stylistically, this is a good look for the Chiefs here on Sunday. The wild card game that the, the Bills played the Steelers, Josh Allen, we got good Josh Allen. He looked really good. He didn't turn the ball yep. over. He used his legs, had some really, really great runs. That that's kind of been a little bit of an anomaly this season. Not that Josh Allen has been bad, but he has been careless with the football. He's made bad decisions during the regular season, turned the ball over a lot. In the wild card game, he didn't do that. It's going to be up to the Chiefs defense to try to force him into those bad decisions. Uh, in the game in Buffalo this weekend. Malcolm and, uh, Malcolm and I talked about it on Tuesday. I don't know if you guys talked about it much, but you know we know how much Steve Spagnola likes to blitz. And we also know, historically, how Josh Allen performs against the blitz. That's been a big chess match over the last several matchups between these two teams, the way that the Chiefs like to blitz and the way that Josh Allen plays against the blitz. And so I think that you know the different packages that Spagnola puts into play that's going to, I think, probably come down to whether or not the Chiefs win the game. I think that offensively, it's kind of secondary. It's a matter of how do you limit Josh Allen, how do you limit his his yards on the ground, and how do you force him into bad decisions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Josh Allen's the key. You can't let him break off those 50-yard runs that he's capable of. You really can't let the Bills run the ball at all. I mean, that's and, – and it was sort of but, – but what I like about it for the Chiefs is that they also faced that same scenario against Miami. Like, you couldn't let Miami control the game on the ground and then, you know, have big chunk plays on the ground. And they, they gave up the one chunk play against Miami. It was Tyreek Hill. Okay, fine. I think they're still good enough offensively to sustain one chunk play, like one broken defense get – it all comes down to, and I, I said for the game, I don't remember if it was here or on the CBS Sports Radio, but like a touchdown and four field goals feels good enough for me for this Chiefs team. It's 19 points, right? And and I think that that's 
got now they should have had two touchdowns, right? And I, I think you'd feel a lot better with like two touchdowns and three field goals, right? And which is also seems achievable. But you just don't if the Chiefs can play a game and a game flow or a game script that doesn't make them veer away from what we talked about a little bit with Chelsea there, running the ball and throwing to those two receivers and just taking it slow kind of, then then they're fine. The Bills haven't felt like that kind of offense to me, Tommy. They haven't felt like that kind of just like wildly explosive offense this year. Steph Diggs has been down. Gabe is Gabe Davis healthy yet? I don't um, think so. I've got I've not gotten an update on his status for this weekend's game. Uh, out of practice Wednesday, uh, day to day. So, you know, his status matters a great deal, but you can put Snead on digs. I think you'll take Snead on anybody at this point. Right. And McDuffie's still really good. So I just think it'll be similar to the dolphins. Now the bills are better and healthier than Miami was certainly, but it's sort of the same formula for the chiefs. And this is why I've liked them again, because I think this formula translates and I think they can control games this way. If you don't let them make big plays, you're going to have a chance to win every game you play. I like the Chiefs this weekend. I've I've wanted this matchup for them for a while. I think you've got a revenge factor. I think you've got a chip on the shoulder factor for Mahomes. I, I all of it's there, and it exists for Buffalo too because Buffalo obviously knows they haven't beaten the Chiefs in the postseason, and they want to do that a great deal. At the same time, it just seems. It seems like this favors the Chiefs to me. Yeah, I understand the point of view on that. And I'm trying to be really thoughtful in this because I just I keep going back to you talking about how a touchdown and four field goals might be enough. And look, I, I think that the the red zone struggles, they are what they are. And I don't exactly I can't diagnose why it is. I, I honestly can't. It's like they have one drive typically, and in the last few weeks it's been early on in the football game where they march down the field, they get into the end zone, and you're like, all right, the offense is back and ready to go. And then every drive after that they start to stall out. And they, they you know, thank goodness the Chiefs have Harrison Butker, you know, to be able to get points on the board for him. Um, I'm just I'm not sure that I fully am on board with that. I don't know that if in the playoffs – on the road in Buffalo, and then if you want to look ahead to potentially playing a team like Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, maybe a team like San Francisco and their defense in the Super Bowl potentially, I'm not sure that you know a scenario of one touchdown and four field goals is going to get the job done. So I mentioned before that the way that Steve Spagnola blitzes the Bills will, I think, ultimately decide how the game comes down, but it's also going to come down to the red zone and how Kansas City performs in the red zone. Now, if you want to be a glass half full kind of person, they're not turning the ball over in the red zone. They are getting points when they're in the red zone. So I guess that's good, but they've got to find better ways to capitalize, sure. especially late in the game. And, and remember, as Kansas City and Buffalo played last when that game happened inside Arrowhead, you know, late in the game, Kansas City had a chance to take the lead late. Of course, it was the call. The play was called back, you know, with the penalty and Kadarius Tony. So they've got to find ways to not shoot themselves in the foot late in games as they're going into the red zone. In a literal sense against the Dolphins, I said a touchdown and four field goals was enough. I think it's more for just to further. It's it's a little more figurative here 
the philosophy of that doesn't need to change for the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't need to be in a situation where, and this is going to drive the analytics nerds crazy, like if it's fourth and goal, you take the points, right? If the game script and the flow of that game is making that still, you know, an option, like they're not so far behind where they don't have a choice, then I think the Chiefs will be in good shape. Like if they're if the game is at a point where when they're in the red zone, if they don't, of course they need to convert. They want to convert all of those things. But if they don't, as long as they're in a situation where it's like, you know what, take the points. I like their chances in this game, and that's it. It just means that the defense is doing what it needs to do. Is all that means. Like you don't have to take the sort of risks that they've had to take over the years. Because they're not good at that this year. And they're not I don't think they're going to magically get good at something they haven't been good at for an entire season. So that's where everything has changed, I think, for the way that they view these games. If you have a great defense and you have the ability late in a game to run that clock by running that ball, then yeah, early in the game, taking field goals. Is a, is a, is the answer. And it's not for every team. This is why I hate the analytics thing. Every team is different. Some teams don't... Field goals aren't going to do them any good, maybe because they're terrible defensively. Like the Packers, when they play the 49ers, probably need to be taking some risks on fourth down, right? Like that, they're going to need to do that. I don't think that the Chiefs, at their best, ever need to do that against any team. Because if they do, they're in big trouble. It's just not something they're good at. They haven't been good at it. They're not going to be good at it. It's not going to magically happen. So try to play a game in the way that you don't need to. That's what I'm saying. Like I just if this game stays at a pace where they're where it's acceptable that they're taking field goals instead of taking big risks, then I think the Chiefs are going to be just fine. I'm not suggesting that they need to take big risks. I'm just saying they need to execute better in the red zone. Well, and, sure they do. And, and and look. But they haven't all year. I, I know. I know they haven't. I know. But, you know, you're in a position now where you're on the road in the playoffs for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career not counting Super Bowls, right? And so you know that going on the road and Buffalo looking for revenge to be able to beat Kansas City in Buffalo in their home stadium in, in you know – this is something that Kansas City, you can't settle for things. You can't settle for field goals. I'm not saying to be reckless. I'm not saying to be aggressive. I'm not saying to do things that you know are going to put your defenses back up against the wall and have your defense have to bail you out. What I'm just suggesting is that you know execution, and some of it is play calling too. I've not been a big fan uh, in a lot of cases of the play calling inside the red zone. You know, over the last several weeks, I think that they sometimes get too cute in the red zone. Uh, I think that, you know, there are times where they're not throwing. If they are throwing the football, they're throwing it behind the sticks or whatever. I think they've got to be smarter with their play calling. They've got to be more efficient in the red zone. Take care of the ball. Absolutely. I'm just I'm not sure. The only thing that worries me is that I don't think a game of Harrison but. Butker field goals in Buffalo is going to get the job done at this stage in the playoffs. 
I think their defense is good enough to kick field goals. I, I think that's all it is for me. Like, I, And that has not been the case for this team in years past. I mean, that, that that's the difference to me this year, is they, they're a team that is designed to just walk is if you're walk if you're if you're leaving drives with points you're going to be in good shape i mean i think it, whether it's three or seven you'd like it to be seven i just don't expect something to magically change that hasn't been there all year i think look i think they can absolutely come out and score touchdowns that i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility i just don't think you can let yourself press at any point in the game unless you have to right because you're down or whatever it is like the, the, unless you're unless you're forced into a situation where you need to press offensively I just don't think that that's the best version of this team this year right now because it's a tip of the cap to the defense is all it is you can't let Josh Allen break off big plays you got to if they turn Josh Allen over Josh Allen's been turnover prone they're going to be in good shape uh, the more I look and think about this game the more I like the Chiefs and there's the chip on the shoulder factor uh, of it as well all right Let's take a quick break. Tim Fitzgerald coming later this hour. Uh, Just checking in with him. Yeah, he'll be in later this hour. We will come back, uh, and we'll look at some of these other games. We haven't had a chance, and it's already Thursday, uh, outside of what we talked about with Chelsea there, to dig into this. We opened with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. Lamar Jackson, Tommy, has been bad in the postseason. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, and we've got a we've got a you know a sample size that's big enough here. Let's talk about that when we return. What are the chances if the Chiefs win, they come back to Arrowhead? It's all next for you on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. All Brockton Caster here. You've got Wichita State basketball tonight. Don't forget, 5 o'clock coverage begins over on KEYN. Jerome Tang's radio show is right here on KFH. That's at 7 o'clock. He'll have plenty to talk about as K-State Baylor was incredible again. Uh, Let's talk a little more NFL, though, here, Tommy, because you'll get into all that with Tim Fitzgerald in the next segment. I maybe I'm missing it. I don't think that I am. Why doesn't Lamar Jackson take more heat than he does for the lack of performance in the postseason? It's not a small sample size. There is enough of a sample size to look at it. And if we're going to rightfully criticize Dak Prescott and Tony Romo and Philip Rivers and all of these really good quarterbacks over the years who have not been successful in the postseason, why haven't we done that yet with Lamar? And I only ask because Lamar takes a lot of criticism that's ridiculous and has over his entire career. He he has come back and will win an MVP this year. It's one of my favorite stories. But I don't feel like the appropriate amount of heat, relatively speaking to other quarterbacks around the league, has been there for him in the postseason. Lamar Jackson hasn't played a playoff game since 2020, right? I mean, he's been injured off and on the last couple of years. Baltimore made the playoffs yep. a year ago. Tyler Huntley started the game. The couple years before that, which he was only, a little weird. He only, remember, right, he didn't. Right. Yeah. He only started two. Or, you know, he did. He only started 12 games in 2022 and 2021 apiece. And so, I mean, he hasn't played in the playoffs personally since 2020. 
And really, like you mentioned, the sample size is pretty small. One playoff game in 2018, one playoff game in 2019, two playoff games in 2020. So he's one of three overall. We're talking about four total playoff games, but haven't played. he hasn't played in one in several years. So I think that this year will tell us a lot about Lamar Jackson in the playoffs because he's fully healthy. He's got probably the most complete Ravens team that he's had in his career around him. So I think it's going to be, you know, that heat that you're talking about will probably be on his shoulders more if he doesn't win this weekend. And if all of a sudden he drops to one and four in the playoffs in his career with a really good Ravens team around him. I think at that point you start to ask those questions, but I'm willing to hold off until this weekend. I mean, his last MVP season was the 2019 season. Uh, they lost in the divisional round. They were 14 and two. A year after that, when they made it, they were 11 and five, 10 and six before that. So it, it is similar to Dak. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's similar. It, it reminds me of Dak. And I, and yes, it has been a couple of years, but it's been four games, and they haven't just not been good, Tommy. They've been bad. Like they, that's the thing. Like they haven't. He has been very directly involved in why the Ravens have lost those playoff games. He's not, they're not losing despite his great performances. And listen, this is not a blast. I love Lamar Jackson. I think he is criminally underrated in general anyway. The one place I do think there can be appropriate criticism for him has been, he's been like objectively bad in the postseason. Four times he's had four games now. That's a lot, and and you get four games, but he's been he's made three playoff appearances, right? They only have played four games because he's lost three of them, yeah. all three times. And how many appearances has Dak made in the playoffs in his career? Seven total playoff games, I think, and he's two yep. and five in those games. And if you take the four, uh, the, or at least the three previous seasons. He's he got the exact same playoff record as Lamar does at one and three. The difference is Dak has played in the last three playoffs, back to back to back. Lamar Jackson has not. It's been several years since we've seen Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. He hasn't had an opportunity to get into the playoffs and play games since the 2020 season. So, I'm again, I'm willing to cut but, him a little bit of but, slack but, right now. If he loses this game on Saturday, I think the pressure is on his shoulders to start to turn that narrative around. But I'm willing to withhold it until after the game this weekend. But Dak has playoff wins, right? And and Dak has performances in the playoffs that have been good and they've lost anyway, right? It's not he and he's had some bad games too, but he's had some good games. Like his worst game was probably last year against the Niners, I would say. Um, and other than that one, he hasn't had like a terrible game. You know what I mean? Like and and so it's a little strange to me. And I'm not saying Dak is devoid of criticism. Dak deserves criticism. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is it's so overwhelming for him when in many of those games he has not played poorly. And in those seven games, he's won games. He won a game in 2019. He won a game in 23. So he has what? Is he two and is he two and five? Is that right? Yeah. But but he's had good games throughout the Lamar hasn't really had good playoff games. And and they've lost them, but it's been largely. I think it's been more because of him than some of the, you know, some of the heat Dak has taken. Okay, and so, so I, another another thing to keep in mind though with Lamar, just looking at his playoff stats, 
In the four playoff games that he's played in, he's been sacked a total of 19 times in those games. And you, you go back to his very first playoff appearance in 2018, and that was a loss. Uh, th- that one game, he was sacked seven times in the game. So there have been issues over the course of his playoff career. And some of it I know is on his shoulders, but some of it is not. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, again, if you, it, knowing how much better this Ravens team is this season, uh, you know, they, they've got to do everything that they can in their power to protect him, to keep him, to keep him good in the pocket. Uh, and, and allow him to get out and create the offense that he's so good at creating. So, I, again, I think that when you take a look at the complete picture, yeah, some of it for sure is on his shoulders. Three touchdowns and five picks in four playoff games in his career is not going to get it done. I fully understand that. But he's gotten sacked a lot. He hasn't gotten much protection. It really hasn't been 100% on his shoulders. So in his MVP year, he didn't get sacked a ton. Every other year, he's been a starter of significant time in the NFL. He's near the top of the league in sacks. He was top 10 this year. He's going to get sacked. That's just, I mean, he, he that's the style he plays, right? He's Even this year, where it's felt like he's been less of that, he's top 10 in sacked quarterbacks. So I don't think that's going away. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to stand like a statue in the pocket and deliver. That's not his game. I just... I hope, because again, I am a Lamar Jackson fan. I think he's criminally underrated anyway. I I think this story of him in this offseason and coming back and winning an MVP is incredible. I want him to be successful. I just, it's curious to me as much as anything else, because quarterbacks always take too much blame and get too much credit. He hasn't taken, again, and I could be missing this, and it's been a long time, right, since we've seen him play a playoff game, so maybe it has been there. It's just been three years since we've really had the chance to talk about it. But it doesn't feel like he takes the same kind of heat some of these quarterbacks in a similar situation have. Dak's the most notable right now. Kirk Cousins takes a lot of heat for that, right? Again, Romo, Rivers, all those guys did. I I don't think Lamar's taken that same kind of heat. I think he will, right, if they don't do it this year. But I do think it's something to watch as you look at that and you're a Chiefs fan and you're hoping for a Texans win. Know that Lamar Jackson has not been good in the playoffs. Know that the Texans have, you know, they don't they may not be the most talented defense, but they may have one of the best defensive coaches in the game. The, I, I, I'm really interested and excited for that game. And I'm with Chelsea, who told us I'm I'm taking the nine and a half points in Houston. I, I absolutely think they have a puncher's chance. I like that number, too. Um, and especially watching the way that C.J. Stroud rolled all over the Browns last weekend. Um, you know, I think the good thing about the Texans and the position that they're in is they're playing with house money. And they can go out there and they can play loose. They can play free. That's been kind of their calling card over the course of this season with all their young talent. Okay. I'm with you. We'll talk about We'll have it more tomorrow. We're going to make picks tomorrow again. Uh, I believe it's our last pick, so we'll finish out our competition. But we'll get into all of that. All right, we're going to take a break. Tim Fitzgerald coming up. A lot to get to with Fitz. Men's basketball keeps rolling. Women's basketball the same. But they didn't get to play a game yesterday. That's a really interesting story uh, that we'll hit on here. Sports Daily rolling forward on this Thursday edition. Don't go away. Seven five and twelve forty KFA. It's time to get back to the sports talk. All right, 
Let's do this thing. Go! Sports Daily is on KFH. He's got all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy Castor, Jacob Albrock, Jad Chambers on a Thursday joined on the KFH hotline at 869-1240 by Tim Fitzgerald, our buddy uh, covering everything K-State. And uh, Fitz, I want to get started here this morning by asking you about this weird situation with TCU women's basketball. And, you know, last night, <laughs> Kansas State headed down to Fort Worth to take on the Lady Horned Frogs and what they were already there, and TCU forfeited the game. Walk me through how all this went down. Well, it's bizarre, Tommy, and I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it. I know people are making phone calls trying to figure it out because it just doesn't add up. Um, they've got 14 players on their roster, um, and they apparently had two injured, and then they had four injured at Tuesday's practice. First of all, how does that happen? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, short of being like a car accident on the way, but they, they said four injured at practice. So those seems intentional words. Um, and I'm like, well, that's just odd. If you're a coach and you're already shorthanded, once a couple players get injured, why don't you shut it down? <clears throat> um, but they apparently did. That leaves them with eight. Um, there apparently are some players they want to redshirt, but still you've got eight available. Play your damn game. Right. I don't I don't understand it. There's got to be something more here um, because they went ahead and forfeited Saturday's game at Iowa State. And let me point out that K-State and Iowa State are both unbeaten in Big 12 play, and these are the games TCU is needing to forfeit. It must be a coincidence. Yeah. Um, so let me let me jump in. Let me jump in real quick. So the the way that I understood it, correct me if I'm wrong here, Kansas State was already there. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, um, from a fan standpoint, they're not offering refunds. Wow. They're, they're telling people you can get another ticket to another game, and K State fans are like, "We don't want to go to a TCU <laughs> women's basketball game. We're coming to see Kansas State." Wow. Uh, this whole thing's just being poorly, poorly handled. Look, if you don't have enough players to play your game, then refund the tickets. If the athletic department doesn't have enough money, well, I don't know how that's possible, but maybe the coach who at ran a practice that got four players injured should refund the tickets. That, I'm just that something doesn't add up. This has got to be something, not an injury, infectious or discipline. Um, they're now holding tryouts for walk-ons. I, I'm really – maybe they had some kind of incident in the practice, but they're being so vague and fa- their fans are being so defensive. It just – the whole thing just is odd. You don't forfeit games when you got players to play. You go play even if you get your ass kicked out well, and I guess the good thing for uh, Iowa State is that they don't have to travel now to TCU and they just get that uh, that win on their record. But for Kansas State women's basketball, a big time jump in the AP top 25 going from number 12 to number mm-hmm. seven. They're 17 and one overall. And so, you know, they, they get a chance to or I guess they're 18 and one now counting that that TCU game. So <laughs> we haven't really talked a whole lot about 
women's basketball uh, so you know so far this season with you. But now we've got a top 10 team in Manhattan, and things are really jiving well for this Wildcat ba- uh, basketball program. Uh, yeah, let me, let me back up and point out the oddity here is the win doesn't count in terms of NCAA record. The win only counts in conference records. Okay, so gotcha. Wrap your mind around that. They're playing really well. I mean, they are fun. But this season is a revelation, not just for Kansas State women's basketball, but for women's basketball as a whole. Because there has been a, a ruling class here to this conference that has made it impossible uh, to this uh, game, made it impossible for many other schools to break into that upper echelon of you know, the top four or five, maybe six schools. And, and now we're seeing talent. Um, move across women's basketball. Maybe it's the NIL and transfer portal is impacting the women's game in a positive way because now there's more chaos. I mean, K-State had problems getting into the top 10 because nobody was losing. And then last week, like four top 10 teams lost and not just within the top 10. This didn't happen in the past. Um, and, and now we're seeing a real shakeup in women's basketball. It could really help improve the game if you get more fan bases that are really interested instead of, you know, just uh, the Yukons and South Carolinas and whoever else is on top of the hill for the, that period of women's basketball. But it looks like there's great balance coming to the women's game. And we're talking about a team fits that, you know, they, they're in position now to battle, at least in the conference, battle against top teams like Baylor and Texas and even Iowa State. How do you think they match up to some of these powerhouses in the Big 12? You know, like Baylor, they've had a great program for a long time. How do they match up against some of these schools that have historically been at the top of the Big 12? I've covered a lot of women's basketball, including back when, you know, K-State was really good uh, with that that group around Kendall Wecker and Nicole Oldie and Lori Kane. Um, this is the best team I've seen at Kansas State. This is a Final Four quality team. So, yeah, they match up. And, I, and I'm sure there's specific matchups, just like in the men's game, that don't work for you or advantageous for your opponent. Uh, but this team has shooting, some speed, certainly size with Yoki in the middle. Uh, it's, it's a really fun team to watch. Um, you know, and I always have to remind people, men's and women's basketball are different games. They're played differently. Um, they have a different feel to them. Uh, so I don't like comparisons back and forth between the games. Uh, but there's, there's some real fundamental things that go on in women's basketball that I enjoy. Uh, and if, if you need one highlight to understand the kind of basketball they're playing, go look at the highlight from uh, the Texas game at the end of the third quarter, how that quarter ended. It was incredible. Well, big weekend, a big few ga- a few days for the Wildcats this weekend, the Sunflower Showdown in Manhattan against Kansas, and then on the road at Baylor on Monday night, the number 12 team in America. Fitz, let's talk men's basketball. It's been a crazy week for the Wildcats, of course, you know, in the thick of Big 12 play, a one-point loss to Texas Tech in Lubbock over the weekend. But then they turn around and they host Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears inside Bramlage, and they get a big-time overtime win against the number 9 team in America. Walk me through the way that this last week has played out for Kansas State. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, just a total mirror image of, of losing a game you thought you'd won and winning a game you probably should have lost with 17 turnovers. I mean, it, you beat a top 10 team with that level of turnovers. They only took 22 more shots in the field. It's almost uh, unexplainable how K-State won this game, but they won because they played incredible defense and they just wouldn't go away. That's kind of how Tech won uh, against K-State down in Lubbock. That's the way this conference is going to be. Every game's a brawl. Every game on the road is really tough. Uh, but games could be won. I mean, you look at UCF winning at Texas. There's, every game in this conference is just, you know, it's Jerome Tang, a self-contained entity. It's one season and one game, and you got to go take care of that. So it's this team's pretty fun. Uh, they're scrappy. Uh, they're not as loaded with talent as they expected with two players missing that they thought they'd have, but it's a good team. You know, I kind of feel like a broken record always bringing up Tyler Perry to you each week. But another not good shooting <laughs> night for him from the field against Baylor. But he made up for it by getting to the free throw line and making his free throws. Uh, what, what did you take away from his game on t- uh, Tuesday night against Baylor? Yeah, the one shot he took, that he, one shot he made, uh, he took in complete rhythm on a fast break. It was a deep three. Um you know, it looked like the, his old self. He just, he looks like he's in his head too much. He just really does. Um, and he's lost some confidence. And uh, once you lose that confidence as a shooter, it's it's really challenging to get it back. But um, it's, uh, I, the thing about it is they're winning with him not playing well. And when he does play well, uh, they're, it's a whole other level of basketball for this team. Uh, you know, he showed a glimpse of it at Texas Tech and, set off a 20-0 run, and he played really well against UCF, and they beat him by 25. So if they can get him going, man, I I don't know where this team goes, but they're going to be pretty good. Outside of Arthur Kaluma, who, of course, had the huge four-point play in overtime and finished with 12 points, there wasn't a ton of production from the bigs. David Gasson, two points in the Baylor game. Will McNair, four points in the Baylor game. Both of those guys are getting a lot of minutes, and I know that they're doing other things than just scoring, but is there any concerns from your end on a lack of offensive production from those guys? No, I, you know, I, I'm not worried about that at all. And Gasson is really focused on rebounding and defense right now and, you know, the easy buckets. Uh, I didn't know Will McCarr only had four because I thought he was really good against Baylor. Yeah. Um, I thought his defense was outstanding. Um, it, it's weird to have as a person that covers Kansas State and has done so for so long. It's weird to have, a, have a, an actual post presence, a really big player that can move around. Um, he's been better than I thought he would be. Now, I think they're good. I think they're bringing what they need to. And, yeah, if they can 
get some more scoring. Will McNair is available for that, but they, uh, you know, then now they have Jarrell Colbert coming off the bench, and, and he had some big plays. So they're, they're getting some production, uh, even though, again, they're missing a piece they thought they'd have for interior play. Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com here on Sports Daily. And Fitz, you take a look at uh, the Big 12 standings four games in. There is not a single undefeated team in the conference. I mean, it's clearly going to be a battle of attrition this season in the Big 12 with really, really talented programs. And you take away the bottom three teams, Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, that, you know, Texas and West Virginia, one and three, Oklahoma State, oh, and four. There are 11 Big 12 teams out of the 14 that are over or at 500 or over 500 in the conference. And we're only four games in, and I know it's impossible to predict how this whole thing is going to shake out. But, man, so far early on, I mean, it's been a bloodbath. It's, it's unbelievable, man. Look at Houston with two losses. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're K-State, if you're anyone in this conference, um, you just try to protect that home court and collect those road wins. And K-State's in the plus one in that. Um, and they have an opportunity to protect their home court again on Saturday with Oklahoma State. A game on paper, you say, should be an easy K-State win, but we know that's not how this conference works. Um, it's you know, you just don't know what you're going to get from Dad tonight. So they got to take care of business. Then they get back on the road. And uh, it's just going to be a, a fascinating stretch for uh, K-State basketball because they're ahead of the game right now. They're ahead of the curve. Uh, can they keep that pace up? And can they pick up another road win along the way and, and really get themselves a, maybe ahead of schedule by quite a bit? Before we let you go real quick, let's talk about Oklahoma State. Uh, it's been a, a rough season for them, especially in conference play. Do you get the sense that if things don't turn around quickly, that you know Mike Boynton might be coaching for his job as the conference season goes on? Yeah, and Mike Boynton is just one of my favorite coaches. I mean, he's just a, a good dude that I think does a good job. It just I don't think they're good enough in this conference. I, I said this somewhere yesterday. I feel like you plop Oklahoma State in the ACC or SEC, uh, they're they're up there. They're competing, uh, but in this conference, they're just not quite good enough right now. And yeah, I think time might be running out on <clears throat> Mike's time at, at Oklahoma State, but uh, uh, he's going to land on a staff and and be really helpful to that head coach. Yeah, Oklahoma State's got the former Jayhawk Bryce Thompson, who is uh, at least one of their their top scorers and and played really well in their game against Kansas a couple of days ago. So that's going to be an interesting game for the Wildcats. Like you mentioned on paper, looks like it should be an easy win for the Wildcats, but Oklahoma State looking for their very first win in conference play. Tim, what do we got going on at GoPowerCat.com this week? Well, we're... uh... Having a fun week, we've rolled out a new YouTube program called the Big 12 Insiders, the Big Insiders, and it runs live Tuesday through Friday at 1 p.m. We do a K-State version of the show Monday at 1 p.m. Uh, so we'll have uh, that. My my buddy, uh, Brian Hanley, former K-State player, is the host. Uh, that runs, you know, coming up at 1 p.m. today, and then 1 p.m. tomorrow I'll be sitting in with Brian, for Brian, um, as he's out tomorrow, but uh, go check that out. Go check out our YouTube page and uh, consider subscribing to the YouTube page and, of course, GoParacat.com. 
Of course, yeah, you can get all of that at GoPowerCat.com. The Wildcats back in action at Bramlage on Saturday. Tip at 6 o'clock. You can hear all the coverage with Wyatt Thompson right here on KFH. Fitz, thanks for waiting on us today. Hopefully we didn't, uh, you know, delay you. Hopefully you were able to move some things around to accommodate us today. No problem, brother. Anytime. All right, sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks, Fitz, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, there's Tim Fitzgerald, publisher, gopowercat.com here on Sports Daily. And, uh, you know, like we talked about, the game on paper with Oklahoma State on Saturday for Kansas State should be, uh, not. I don't want to say an easy win, but you're talking about a team here that, as Fitz mentioned, you know, might be a little bit overpowered in the Big 12, 0-4 in the conference so far. They're under 500 overall. They just don't really, outside of Bryce Thompson, don't really have the necessary weapons, I don't think, to be able to go into a place like Bramlage and compete for 40 straight minutes. So, you know, of course, we will have all the coverage of that, as I just mentioned, with Wyatt Thompson right here on KFH. That game coming up on Saturday evening. There's a lot more coming up here on KFH and on the Total Network. Today, we will get you all of that on the other side of this break. It's Sports Daily on KFH. All right, thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Daily. We'll give you a breakdown of what's coming up today. Jim Rome at 11, Bob and Jeff at 2, Zach Gelbit 4, Shocker Men's Basketball at Florida Atlantic. Pre-game coverage on KEYN begins at 5 o'clock right here on KFH at 6 is JR Sports Brief. And then the Jerome Tang Radio Show talking all things K-State Men's Basketball right here on KFH beginning at 7. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll have our chat with Wyatt Thompson. And a whole lot more Our Friday Football Picks with Paul Savage, all coming up on a Friday edition of Sports Daily. For Jad Chambers, for Jacob Albrock, I'm Tommy Castor. We'll see you tomorrow. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.